This is Evidence-Based GI, and I'm Philip Schoenfeld. Today, we'll be discussing the efficacy and safety of using rizikizumab as maintenance for clinical remission in patients who initially had moderate to severely active Crohn's disease. With us to discuss this is Dr. Jessica Allegretti of Harvard Medical School and Brigham and Women's Hospital, and she'll be discussing the summary she wrote on the Fortify randomized control trial, which was the phase three trial to prove that this was an effective maintenance of remission drug. Jess, welcome back to the podcast. And tell us a little bit about why rizikizumab is such an important drug for managing Crohn's disease. Thanks so much for having me as always. And I'm excited to discuss this paper because this is important. You know, we know that we do have good drugs already, you know, in our armamentarium for the treatment of moderate to severe Crohn's disease. However, many patients still don't have adequate response to existing biologic therapies. And therefore, our new agents with distinct mechanisms of action are still needed. And so this agent is essentially against IL-23, which is a cytokine felt to be associated with chronic bowel inflammation and has been found in high concentrations in the gut mucosa of patients with Crohn's disease. We already do have ustekinumab, also known as Stellara, which targets both IL-12 and 23 and has been shown to be effective for induction and maintenance of moderate to severe Crohn's disease, as well as ulcerative colitis. However, selective IL-23 inhibition may also be a reasonable target for patients with prior non-response or loss of response even to ustekinumab as well as other biologics. So this adds another tool in our toolkit for the treatment of this disease. So yeah, having another tool for moderate to severe Crohn's disease is really important, especially in people who have had biologic failure. And as you said, this is a monoclonal antibody against the interleukin-23 target so that it ultimately then decreases activity of T cells that influence cytokine formation in inflamed mucosa. How did the investigators study whether or not rizikizumab was effective for maintenance of remission? So let's go through sort of the details of this study. This study enrolled 542 patients with moderate to severe Crohn's disease who, and the outcomes of interest are essentially clinical response that was achieved in the induction studies or clinical remission at week 12 or 24. I believe you guys have already hopefully heard our podcast on uh, those induction trials. And if so, they were enrolled in this study, the Fortify study um, between April of 2018 and 2020. Um, So all of the patients enrolled in this study were randomized one to one to one to receive 360 milligrams of the subcutaneous rizinkizumab, 180 milligrams of subcutaneous rizinkizumab or placebo every eight weeks. Again, the primary endpoints was 52-week clinical remission. And that was essentially a little bit nuanced, had a strat, it was stratified by two definitions of clinical remission. One was based on a CDAI score, the traditional less than 150, or you had basically less than 2.8 stools a day, as well as abdominal pain scores less than one. So using those more PRO or patient reported outcomes main definition. So you could have had either to meet that definition. Um, And certainly nothing worse than baseline and endoscopic response, which was based on a 50% decrease of the SCSCD score from baseline. So just to put that into context again, 
So these are taking the patients who underwent induction for their moderate to severe Crohn's disease with rizikizumab, and if they successfully had clinical remission or at least clinical response, which was maybe not remission, but a significant reduction in their abdominal pain and diarrhea, then they could enter this maintenance of remission trial. And again, the dosages were 180 milligrams sub-Q every eight weeks versus 360 milligrams sub-Q every eight weeks or placebo. And the primary endpoint we'll talk about the most is, as you said, what we commonly consider in these trials a CDAI less than 150. So how how did it do as a uh, maintenance of remission drug? Yeah, so for the 360 milligram dose versus placebo, you know, if we're looking at the comparisons that were done in this study, rizinkizumab was associated with higher rates of clinical remission and as well as endoscopic response. So it achieved both of those outcomes. For the 180 milligram dose versus placebo, rizinkizumab was also associated with higher rates of a CDAI clinical remission as well as endoscopic response. Notably, though, by not by that PRO outcome, the stool frequency and abdominal pain at that lower dose. So there appeared, or there's a suggestion that there could be a dose response relationship, even though the FDA ultimately has approved both the 180 and the 360 milligram sub-Q dose every eight weeks as an approved maintenance dose. Any safety signals to worry about? So this mechanism luckily seems incredibly safe. You know, I think as a whole, I think we do consider for the most part ustekinumab or Stellara generally within this same MOA. And we know that that agent is incredibly safe. Um, and so there was no reason to believe that this would be any less safe, if not more, because you have less blockade And so that seems to be true from both the induction and maintenance studies. This agent seems to be safe, extremely well tolerated. Um, And so, and and as we just pointed out, I didn't give you the exact percentages, but we're seeing pretty significant rates of clinical remission and response with this drug. So very exciting. Specifically with the 360 milligram dose, there were about 52% of patients were in clinical remission with that and about 47% met that high threshold for an endoscopic response at that dose. And I know we've talked about it and you pretty routinely use a 360 milligram dose in your own practice. Can you tell us a little bit about what kind of patients you're most likely to use this in? Absolutely. You know, so I think it would be a similar population that I would consider using ustekinumab or Stellara in. I think this is a a great agent for first-line treatment in Crohn's disease. You know, when I'm thinking about a patient with Crohn's disease, I think, are they sick enough to require an anti-TNF or not? And if not, I think one of these agents, you know, Skyrizi would be a great choice. Unfortunately, in 2023, a lot still has to do with the payer and what the payer will approve. Um, but I think certainly this is a great option, especially those for inflammatory Crohn's. A concurrent psoriasis is another great indication to use an agent like this in because we know it also is used in the treatment of psoriasis. And so I think there are, are many people, many patients with Crohn's that would benefit from this. In fact, there's not a patient population that wouldn't that or that you couldn't use this drug in. And so I think this is going to be a, a staple in our treatment armamentarium. So you'd use it as a first-line agent, even in some patients who haven't had anti-TNF therapies, as well as in people who are prior biologic failures, although the data from this show 
people with prior biologic failures have a lower response rate. That's not surprising. Those are the more difficult to treat patients. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think for me, I often triage my treatment based on, are you sick enough? Are you a patient who's sick enough to require an anti-TNF as your first-line agent? That may include things such as those with stricturing or fistulizing disease, really extensive disease, or other extraintestinal manifestations. If not, I do think if you can not start with an anti-TNF, that's probably better because we know that you do have diminished response of agents post-anti-TNF use, and that may not actually be the case in the reverse. And so if I can use something like Skyrizi as my first-line agent and get a great response from it, as we're seeing from those clinical trials and reserve my infliximab for later down the line, that's what I will do. And that goes to our final discussion point, which is what future research needs to be done. I know you've told me that any type of data outcomes-based or database type of research that helps identify predictors of a good response to rizikizumab would be helpful. And I know that also there is an ongoing head-to-head trial called the sequence trial, which is a comparative effectiveness trial of ustekinumab or Stelara versus rizikizumab or Skyrizi in moderate severe Crohn's disease. And that data should be available within the next 12 months and may help clarify if the more precise mechanism of IL-23 blockade with something like rizikizumab provides additional benefit. Any other key points that you want to emphasize to the listeners? More so that I think we're already using this drug in practice. You know, I think I've had a a great uh, experience thus far using it. It's been easy to get. And the patients, I think, notably, what our listeners may not realize is this is administered as an on-body injector, as opposed to a more traditional subcutaneous, you know, pen or syringe injection. Um, So a little bit of a new technology in the IBD space. So far, the patient's seem to really like it and it's been easy to use. So I would just uh, note that. And I think there is a lot of exciting research to come, as you just pointed out, Bill, not only with uh, more comparative effectiveness to come, but also as there are other IL-23s that are under investigation, because certainly Skyrizi is not the only one. um, Hopefully we're going to start to see some real work in novel biomarkers, not only to, to predict which agent you're most likely to respond to before you even start it, but also once you've started it, to know if you're going to respond or have some durable response. I think that's really what I'm excited to see. Well, great. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. And I'm sure this has been really helpful for our listeners. Thanks as always. Thanks.